Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast in your week in IndyCar. What? Guest episode? I haven't done one of these, Beth Peretta, in almost the whole year. So I've been slack. Yes, my memory. I'm I'm bad at I sometimes I forget to remember Beth. You so. haven't had anything going on. I can't imagine that yeah. you, you've had free time. You too, you lazy mm-hmm. bleepity bleep. <laughs> I tell you, kidding aside, so thankful uh, for you taking some time here, knowing that what in two days you're going to be on track for the first yes. time in a little more than a year with a Preda Autosport team in the yes. awesome product of Switzerland. That being Simona Di Silvestro. So. Why don't I give a very quick and hearty thanks to all of our listeners here on our podcast and also to Cooper Tires who power the road to Indy, the awesomely fine folks at the Justice Brothers and their automotive chemicals and lubricants, and then finally torontomotorsports.com, racing memorabilia, stickers, t-shirts, hats, and fun. So speaking of fun, Beth, we get to talk about you and car and track and noise Mm -hmm and Mm -hmm. sponsors and fun and super fun yeah because you are not very good at being idle and yet over the last year you've had to uh, summon the all the fortitude (laughs) necessary to do more talking than racing and as a racer that never jives so before we get to the awesome questions folks have sent in why don't we just start with how you feeling, pal, knowing that your season goes green here in 48 hours or whatever it is, but finally you get to get back to the racetrack. You, you know, it's funny. I think if this is like, um, it's like planning any big, like the 500 was like that last year. It's like, you know, you're planning for this huge event. I mean, it's the nice thing is it's a huge event that everyone's heard of. So when you say what you're working on, everybody kind of gets a sense. It's, you know, there's so many little details I think in some ways it must be like, you know, like when you're planning a big wedding or a big party and you put all this effort in. And then I remember just as a quick aside on there, because there's all this, I mean, so much of the minutiae and the details and the boring stuff, right? I've got to deal with all that. I don't get to do just the fun stuff, but I get the fun stuff too, but all the stuff behind the scenes. And I remember Sunday, you know, Indy 500s on Memorial day weekend, it's on the Sunday and we'd had some tentative plans after, you know, Sunday night, I was going to have dinner with Simona and her, Simona de Silvestro and her father and a group of friends. And so we had this plan to go to dinner. And it was that, you know, that go back to the hotel, shower, change. And I don't know what time we were meant to leave, you know, meet in the lobby at 730 and we're going to walk to dinner or whatever it was. So I get back to the hotel and it was that thing of like, I'm just going to lay down for just a quick second. <laughs> no, never do that. Yep. Yep. And uh, my sho- I took my shoes off. I'm proud to say I took my shoes off. Um, and I woke up the next morning at 7.30. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was just that, of course I did, right? And it's that, you know, just that that exhale of, there was such excitement. There's so much momentum. Um, you know, the added thing, the added layer of what we do, and, and certainly the drivers are used to this because they've been doing it for so long. Uh, but what I was not used to is all of the, um, you know, all the extra media and the attention and cameras in your face. And it's fantastic. And there's a reason why we put ourselves forward is so that we're visible, but you forget about it's actually, um, you're always on, you know, there, there's not that I can't be just off to the side, you know, scarfing a sandwich down <laughs> impolitely anymore. I've got to remember that you can all see me scarfing the sandwich. That's right. <laughs> Wolfing down, uh, the fine, <laughs> finest track food. 
uh, yes, anyone has the to pork offer. tenderloin if we're at IMS. But so to that point, I find myself here. We are racing in a few days. I find myself in that similar, you know, the last minute making sure everything is buttoned up because, like, and you know, it is not to not to bore everybody playing the home game, but, um, you know, it's like insurance policies and all, you know, the travel and making sure everybody, you know, when is everybody arriving? And, um, because a lot of people are flying in and just making sure that every little detail is covered so that when we are at the track, all we focus on is, you know, lap times and, and, and hitting our marks. Can we go ahead and reveal for the first time that the reason you chose road America as your uh, team season debut was strictly because of the food and bratwurst. Like this is really kind of a, it was a midwestern foodie tour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, well, but there's bratwurst. No, so true story. <laughs> um, when we looked at when we decided that you know we started talking to Ed Carpenter last fall, and we looked at a few ways to work together, and then um, sometimes you know these decisions get. Um, affected by partners, sponsors, and kind of what they need, what they want. And when it turned out that Ed was going to be doing the oval races, that then opened up that third entry, his entry, to for the roads and streets. And so that's when that conversation kind of started gaining momentum, which was great. So when I then made that decision of like, okay, I do, I'm not going to push further for the 500 because it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be the right opportunity. Yeah. Um, for us and for me, I said, okay, let's just concentrate on these roads and streets, had the list of what those races would be and literally got, kind of sat on the phone with Simona and we went through the list and I said, all right, pick pick what you want, pick three to four and what are your favorites um, and, you know, and tell me why, you know, kind of, you know, what are you thinking? And so she's actually the one, I mean, with, with my concurrence, of course, but I really let her kind of figure out what she wanted to do and where she thought she would show well and where she wanted to drive. Interesting that she picked Nashville um, because she is really good at street courses and because it's a new track, you know, street courses can be a bit of a anything goes. And so I think um, that's appealing, right? There's actually a chance to show well because, you know, you're coming back into a very a field of drivers that has so much talent a lot of people that have been here the whole time since she's been gone. So, um, you know, like any driver, you're competitive and you want to make sure you can show show your best. Amen to that. Well, why don't we <laughs> jump off here and fire into the questions that have come in. Big thanks to Jim Kaiser, who uh, just reached the old checkered flag for helping me, Beth, and putting together the questions each week for my listener Q&A, but also now that we're back on track with the, uh, the guest Q&A, our first time with our pal Jerry Roberts Sudduth putting the, uh, the questions together. So he, uh, he should be at Mid-Ohio, and I'm sure he will say hello, knowing that oh, uh, that's great. you're a dear friend of the show. Uh, so Chris McIntosh is the, uh, the first here, says, Hey, Beth, first off, thank you for giving my wife uh, and her, her group of women something to cheer for on Sunday. Uh, he Yay. says, this is a big thing in my house. Because when we started dating, she wanted absolutely nothing to do with motor racing. And today, she asked me what time the race was on Sunday so she could cheer (laughs) for Simona. Um, We'll also add uh, Tatiana Calderon as well. So hopefully, Chris, uh, your wife will know that there's a couple of awesome women uh, who will be racing on Sunday here at Road America. Uh, He says, my question is, as a new team owner, I assume your plan is to expand 
one day eventually become full-time with your own team and equipment. Um, does IndyCar's not totally definitive timeline on when they will be commissioning and rolling out a new chassis, does that affect your decisions on timing for expansion or trying to buy a car now? When will that become uh, redundant and such? It's a great question from Chris. IndyCar's future, a little bit fuzzy in some areas. How does that affect yeah. you or not affect you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, but because we did, the, the word came down a couple of months ago that there is now, it's we're still another year out and, and they're going to be, um, they've pushed off the, the timeline. Yeah, if, if I knew that in six months, a new car was coming, yeah, you will probably hedge your bet and, and say that this investment would not be, the investment in the, in the asset of a car, of a chassis, would, would maybe be a bit of a sunk cost. But IndyCar has moved that goalpost a little further down the line, so that's nice. Um, but that's a great question because it is something that you consider, but, um, you know, at the same time, you know, I'm in the, in the capital raise uh, cycle, which, I mean, everybody always is, but, but I definitely am, am for the asset acquisition. And it's certainly something that I'm, I'm open about with, with my investors um, so, they, so that they understand. Uh, respectfully, the costs for what we're doing compared to other forms of motorsport, it's interesting. I've had talks with some people who were looking at investing in a Formula One team. And so as you can imagine, when you show them these budgets, they're like, wait, I can get all this for that. So it's all relative. Um, but IndyCar has done a great job about cost containment over the past, you know, decade plus or, or more because of having this shared chassis because of having two engine suppliers um in the grand scheme of things if you want to go racing at, at and be in a um in a great competitive field which very entertaining product and all of those things this is actually not a crazy amount of money to spend when you're looking at it commercially as a sponsor or an investor so um, I think it's still a really good, I hate to use the word value because that's such a weird word to use in this context, sure. but I, I think it's, it's still not, a, not necessarily a bad way to, to spend your money if you want to be in the racing space. A little follow-up here. So if you had your druthers, Beth, and hopefully the uh, www helped Beth buy some dw12s.com site yeah, goes dot up org. here. Dot uh, org, right? Yes, dot org net uh, goes up really soon. Would you go after a good use known uh, rolling chassis from Team X, or would you call yeah. Delar and say hi? Send me, uh, send me the the hottest, freshest, newest right out of the oven. Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of, I would kind of look at both. I guess it depends on what's available, um, you know, and and what condition. And and I think all the, it feels like all the good ones have home know who at the end of the season might make a dis make a, make a choice to divest some assets so you would look at both at the time for sure but um buying something new wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility i know it seems weird that there's no you know if when it switches over there's then no useful life for that ch chassis but i guess maybe things like you know masters racing or hv you know svra or whatever could, <laughs> yes. could make it a viable chassis 
I mean, you, you think of how many like LMP3s are rolling around or old LMP2s are rolling around. So maybe maybe this could be something like that too. That could be so your... So who's to say? You could run a, a full-time IndyCar and vintage campaign with the same car. So that's kind of awesome. Exactly. I, I mean, this that. one is pretty old, right? Yeah. IndyCar gets I mad mean, when I say that. But, the uh, age is in the name. <laughs> hey, there's provenance even when it's brand new. Um, exactly. Why don't we go to uh, our pal Mitsuki Matsura. Uh he says, hello, Beth Son. Uh, oh. He says, do you have the behind-the-scenes story of why you picked number 16, which the team has been using since its debut? And uh, he also says, our friend from Japan, good luck for the race at Road America. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. So last year when I was working with Team Penske, I was given the list of available numbers because there is a, there's a list, right? And certain people, we all know that you, know, you own lists. There's a, there, you own a number. There are also a few numbers that are on hold, so you have to kind of see what what they're they're willing to let you, you know, what, what numbers are, are open. So of the numbers, I was looking at a couple of them. I, I actually looked at 82 because that was the number that Jim Clark had on his Lotus. Yeah. In 1965, that won. Um, so that was available. And I thought, is that also weird for me to take? You know, you go through that whole thing, right? If you're the typical, it's, I, it's, it's almost like you always hear the story about if you're a teacher, it's really hard to name your kids because you remember great students and troublesome students. So like the same thing, I'm looking at numbers and I'm like, oh, wait, remember this? Remember that? This car and this racer and this team. And so with that said, I, I bounced around a few ideas. Um, and... It was funny because Roger Penske, of course, is like, I like lower numbers. And so he kind of he kind of pointed to 16. He's like, what do you think about 16? And we were literally in a conference room at his office. And we're both looking at, I think we printed out two lists. And we're sitting across the table looking at this list of, of IndyCar op- available numbers. And, or actually the whole, it's a whole roster, right? So you see, you see, you know, eight, Chip Ganassi, nine, Chip Ganassi, 10, you know, whatever. So I... Uh, He's like, I like lower numbers. And so he's like, what do you think of 16? I said, oh, actually, 16 is pretty nice. I like it because I'm thinking the marketer in me, the business person in me is like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of a round number. But then what immediately clicked for me is the person who does all of our design and is our brand manager and does our website and all like designs our fire suits and all of that is my closest friend in the world. And when we were little, <laughs> so we, we are we used to play soccer like from five years old all the way, all the way through everyone in my town did. And when you're really little, the way they give you your number of your t-shirt, it was your birthday. So she was always 16 and I was always 10. And so like weirdly, like you kind of carry that number for, you know, you're given a number when you're five years old, you carry it with you for the rest of your life, of your life. It's a very whatever. So as soon as he said 16, I was like, I immediately felt thought of my bestest friend in the world. who's like a sister to me. And I was like, Oh, that's her number. And I've been trying to slowly drag her into racing over the years. Um, You know, because it's obviously my, my most, you know, favorite hobby even before it became my career. And uh, so the idea of like having her number on my car felt like a, like a nice little wink. So after that meeting, I remember I was driving home and I called her because she was, you know, already behind the scenes. Like we're still like working on the logo and the colors and all the stuff for just our branding. And I said, so I had to pick the number today. And she's like, yeah. And I said, it's going to be 16. And she's like, oh, my God. Right? So, <laughs> the f- yeah. So it's, it's actually a little wink to her. Well, that's really awesome. 
That's yeah. truly awesome. And then, of course, then Bud Danker did mention that it was his uh, hockey number. So, it's you know. Of course it was. <laughs> There's always a Bud Danker <laughs> angle to things. So what was funny is like then when I'd see him, somebody somebody asked me, I think, the, that same question in front of Bud Danker. And I was like, it was Bud Danker's hockey number. So he just totally laughed that I remembered it like, you know, like a month later. How so. funny. Oh, good old <laughs> Bud. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Why don't we go to Andrew Miller? Says, hey, hey, Beth, would love to lo- learn a little bit more on the uh, the factors behind trouble of not getting to get out and do a proper uh, road course test with Simona, uh, if there's any more to add to that. And so I think that's just pivoting off of uh, the, the story we did on Monday where you mentioned you tried, couldn't quite find a, a track that aligned mm-hmm. with IndyCar sensibilities, but uh, you're still working I, I, on literally, that. Literally, I, I realized that the way that that came out, because I actually had a couple of people reach out to me, which is very kind. Somebody reached out to, from, to me from Road America saying, hey, you can you can stay the, the extra day and test on Monday. Um, so it was very interesting, like the way that that generated some, some, um, it prompted some people to reach out, which was very sweet. I think it, it might, I might've misspoken the way that I said it. It was that the calendar didn't align for when Simona was going to be available here and what kind of, what we could do. Cause you know, remember she still has a job in Europe being a factory driver for Porsche and and she's a reserve driver for Formula E. So those dates are fixed on the calendar. So when we looked at when she could arrive, when our first race was, and what days we would have available, there were no scheduled testing days. Mm. Um, anyway, because in fairness, like your first thing that you look at is, um, does another team have a day rented? Because then we can get on, get in on that. And then barring that, what tracks could we get to that would be eligible? There's things within the rule book of where you can, where you can go, where you can't go. Yeah. So it just, we literally, it's almost like we ran out of, you know, the, the, the clock ran down. We couldn't do it. So it wasn't because of anything other than kind of just logistics, which is kind of, you know, often the behind the scenes is often <laughs> logistics. So that's what this was. Um, but the good news is we are going to have a test day um, in Indianapolis in later in June. So it it was all sorted last week. Um, got the confirmation from IndyCar, and we are going testing. We just the, the thing we were trying to do is to see if we could get it before Road America, but we just the window was just too too tight, and so it didn't work. But it was as much on uh, Simona's you know Simona's uh, pre you know Simona's commitments to things just weren't open on the calendar. In yeah. fact, it, what was funny was when I was talking to Jay Fry about it, uh, he's like, you could go to Barber with the team. And um, when he and I were having the conversation, the Barber test was literally the day before. I'm like, oh, time machine, I could have done it. But it was, you know, like that typical thing, you're looking at the calendar and you're like looking at the wrong week. And he's like, oh, the Barber test. I was like, oh, that's great. And we both were like, well, that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. As soon as I can get that new Delara time machine, I'll be right exactly. there. Exactly. Not going to be as smooth as we thought. So, yeah, so that's what it was. It was literally just, like, things going different directions. Um, so the punchline is we are going to be testing at Indy. So although no testing before Road America, we will have a test before Mid-Ohio and, and the rest of our schedule. And the the good news, though, I will say, is we weren't sure if we were going to get a simulator day. Um, but then it was like, then it kind of came together that we would get a simulator day. And the added bonus is we actually now have had two. So Simona was in the simulator last Wednesday and this Wednesday as in today. So although it's still green going in, um, two simulator days is, is super helpful. More better 
More gooder, more better. I think, is the more correct gooder. English. It's totally more gooder. Yes. Absolutely more gooder. And then the other thing, too, we had the, the team manager call today. They are actually lengthening the session on Friday. So one of the things that some of the teams have been lamenting is the sessions have been shorter. And although sometimes at first those are look, looked at as like a cost reduction, there's that, you know, there's that fine line between, yes, it's great to uh, cut costs, but we also don't want to be, you know, cutting our nose to spider face. And so we want to make sure that we're getting adequate track time too, because respectfully, once you're at the track, you know, they've, they've looked at having two day events instead of three day events, but with the way that people have to travel in, sometimes you kind of, it's still going to cost the same. And so we do look at that all and we do speak up and they do, you know, um, want teams feedback on what works, what doesn't work. Um, but there's that point where, you're already there. There's a sunk cost. Let's extend some of the sessions because basically then your, your only added cost is like another couple sets of tires. But if it's going to give you better result on the track, every, every team would be willing to absorb that cost. It's, it's, you know, adding another day or two. And I guess the chat is that next year there's going to, they're going to handle the open tests a little differently. Like instead of having independent team tests, we're going to have more standardized uh, days of testing, which hopefully will also be yep. helpful for the bottom line. Because when you have the entire series renting a facility, the cost per team is, mu- is much reduced. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you also, yeah, yeah the, the direction they've been looking to take things uh, I'm in fully appreciative of because Hey, Andretti Autosport's going to head out to Laguna Seca. Who all wants to come? And mm-hmm. okay, cool. Three or four, great. So we're mm-hmm. doing this long drive from Indianapolis or wherever all the way out to the coast, but we're splitting a fairly expensive track rental among two teams, three teams, four. It's a heck of a lot easier to say, all right, we've got 10 teams here. You know, it's mm-hmm. an all skate. Everybody come play. Uh, that right. makes it a little bit easier on the budget. And then also from the session standpoint, yeah, the complaints about, hi, we're here and we're not doing much on these opening days. Uh, we wait and then yeah. run once towards the end of Friday. And Yeah, I mean, I've got people coming in on a Thursday night and our first session is later on Friday. And I, we get it, you know, you have to cut, you know, allow, because remember too, a lot of these teams up and down the grid bolster their teams with fly-ins. And what a fly-in is, is, is somebody who has a full-time job who, who basically works in IndyCar as their side hustle. And there's so many interesting stories up and down pit lane. They could have been people that did it full time and then they decided to go part time or they were always part time. And so for them to travel in, they're usually the earliest that those people are going to come in is like a Thursday night because they basically take Friday off from work and then they need to fly back out Sunday night. So, you know, to get them in a day earlier would be tough, but then to also have them come in like late Friday, have a boom, boom, Saturday, Sunday, and then, you know, leave Sunday night at the expense of time on track, because then that, yes, it's great for your travel budget or one less hotel room, but it's not great for the actual team and the competition product. And, you know, it's always this balance of wanting to make sure everybody's happy, wanting to make sure that these are viable businesses. But really the thing that drives everything is we really want to make sure that we're putting on a good show for the fans. Because that's why we're doing it, right? Yeah. If you're going to come out to the racetrack, let's make sure that you aren't, quote, bored. uh, Exactly. If it's a parade, we're going to lose you, and it shouldn't be a parade. Yep, absolutely. Right. The only parade you should see is Saturday at Indianapolis on 500 weekend. 
Very true, although this weekend there's going to be a little bit of a kind of touring parade of best campsite at Road America. Oh, awesome. Well, we do have a new sponsor that we're announcing tomorrow. So What? We like the best campsite. Uh Okay, we're going to hook that up. When does this drop, Mr. Pruitt? Well, I might put this up uh, uh, shortly after we do it here since it's uh, Wednesday at 427, (laughs) but I can hold it if need be. I mean, we're announcing a partner tomorrow at 11 a.m., so 8 a.m. your time. Okay. Um, it, re- it relates to the camping. Okay. I like that. And I think the timing's pretty good. There's another announcement coming tomorrow, I think 7 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. my time. And it's not IndyCar, okay. but it's kind of a big deal. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think you should have uh, some clear runway on that. So hopefully that shouldn't, uh, yeah, get blown out. So I think it'd be good there. Um, so do you want me to tell you what the announcement is? If you're going to drop this tomorrow, to, like after 11? No. Or after I'll, 8? No. I'll, I'm not I'll push this it. out now because I'm flying okay. tomorrow. I'm out the door right. at like 1030 in the morning. So, got uh, it. yeah, got it, got we're going to make good podcast stuff here. Folks to listen Let's to Let's just Wednesday. say it's going to be camping adjacent. So it's an exciting announcement to have launching on Road America weekend. Uh, the new line of Peretta Autosport hammocks. Coming exactly to two it, it, trees near you. Correct. Thank okay. you. See, sorry, right. I broke the news. I was big cornhole. <laughs> the the whole cornhole society. The uh, which is clearly the worst name of a game ever. But uh, we're going to leave guys, that right there. You, you do you. Yeah. You do you. Look, Simona, mm-hmm. if she can race indie cars and do bobsledding, she could be a cornhole see, champion. See. I mean, if it was in the Olympics, she'd try it because the whole point about the bobsled is wanting to be in the Olympics. So, which I get, I get it. The Olympics are cool. Diverse. There's a lot of diverse talent here. Why don't we go to uh, Patrick Wethington, who says, okay. any chance uh, Carpenter might want to run an extra cart Indy next year, or do you need to find your own Indy 500 deal? Uh, I know we're going, we haven't even done the first race with Ed, and we're already trying to right, figure right, out right. 2023. Uh, but Patrick also says, thanks so much for bringing my favorite driver and Simona back to where she belongs. But have you oh. mapped all that out for next year yet at, at Indy and whatever else? No. Or is that way ahead? It's way ahead. It's not buttoned up by any means just because exactly that. Like we want to walk before we run. Um, you know, every, everybody wants to and do everything the right way. Um, but our ambition, of course, is to be a full. So, again, the, the problem uh, this year for us, as I saw it, was a shortage of people. Um, however, if I then we make our goal now that that's what it is, that, you know, we can be building the people and add them in. Um, because, you know, you have such, you have such, such, you have great veterans at ECR that you could, let's say there was a fourth entry and we, and we start planning for it now, you could start sprinkling some of those veterans across four cars and between now and then be hiring some new people that are going to, you know, take up the, the slack of, of those other positions. And so you build it. And I think, you know, this is the thing that everyone is kind of scratching their head, like where, where, you know, why was there this shortage of people? And it was in some ways no different than the labor shortage we're kind of seeing everywhere. Um, again, we don't know where all those people went to either. <laughs> it's, it's sort of evaporated, but there's a bit of just that natural attrition that happened and it affected IndyCar just like it affected, you know, how many times have we gone into a restaurant in the past year and, you know, they're at half capacity because they have half the workers. And so that's really what even happened in our sport. And if we want to make sure that that doesn't happen again, I mean, hopefully we go back to 35, 36, 37 cars qualifying. But the way that we need to do that is every team has to start investing in new people. 
Yeah. People are the future. That's what I say, you know, and the children are our future. Well, that's Let very them, true. Right, right. I, I know mm-hmm. that there was a Whitney Houston song about that, but I always think back to a Big Daddy Kane song, which I don't Got know. To. I think that came after Whitney, but anyways. I think it did. Um, where should All right, next question for you is about child rearing, apparently. So uh, our pal Chris Ward, a member of the Day listener group of this podcast. Not says, Lamborghini, Chris Ward. Uh, n- now that would be amazing if if the <laughs> Lamborghini program manager uh, Chris Ward was asking IndyCar questions. Uh, he on the could podcast. though, because he's a friend of mine, and we're actually True. neighbors. But okay, he okay. is. I love me some Chris Ward, by the way, and this Chris Ward, who's not in okay. charge of Lamborghini. Although, okay. funnily enough, I'm trying to think of what it was. There was someone. Yeah, there was an IMSA team owner, mm-hmm. uh, or team principal, or whatever. Who was interested months ago before Lamborghini officially announced they were doing a GTP LMDH car, who mm-hmm. wanted to connect with Lamborghini's Chris Ward. Mm-hmm. I sent that person the contact info, and it turned out, no, it was for our pal here on the podcast listener, Chris Ward, who was like... So, uh, yeah, he wasn't completely up to speed on all the LMDH. EH yeah. plans. Okay. Um, okay. So apparently our pal here, Chris, was super willing to help, just not particularly right. the guy who could uh who could make right. deals on behalf of uh the bull. <laughs> um nonetheless, Chris says, What would you say for a father who has a, a toddler, a daughter who's interested in IndyCar to keep that interest as she grows up? So like I said, I know we're kind of asked he's asking you to, to help raise his daughter or, or set a, a sure. rearing sure, plan. Sure. But listen, it takes a village, Marshall. True. Uh, I love the fact that Chris is asking folks he doesn't know to help raise his daughter, though. Um, but kidding aside, you get to do this pretty amazing thing of having, whether it is little girls, young women, mothers, mm-hmm. sister, whatever it is, women mm-hmm. rally towards you and Simona knowing of what you're trying to do with the team. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anything? Is there anything that that's reaches you that says, hey, you know, if you did want to keep your daughter hopefully engaged in IndyCar, maybe these are some areas to uh, uh, focus or, or point her towards? Well, a couple of things. Certainly the, the easy thing, and I know this is going to sound funny because they are a partner sponsor of ours, but our sponsor is KiwiCo, one of our sponsors, who is that they um, make education educational toys. So they say STEAM-based learning. I like to say STEM. But STEAM-based learning, they call them crates. They're basically these toys that they're really, I I say toys, they're actually projects that um, I think they now go from age zero to like 104, right? They used to probably go until like age 18. But the idea is they create these um, project kits that are age-appropriate for wherever you, you know, wherever you are in that learning kind of where you're on, on your progress, that whether you're two years old or five years old or nine years old, the, the um, crate will become a little bit more sophisticated. And there's several different categories. So for instance, they can even use um, cooking projects because that will teach you, you know, measuring and chemistry and, and science. And the idea is you're doing something fun and you don't realize that you're learning these lessons. Well, they have some 
uh, kits that are related to race cars. And so the nice thing about that and why I was very excited to partner with them as a company is it's exactly for that toddler or that that young child who's watching something on TV and there's something that becomes magical when it clicks with something that you're actually holding in your hands. So we can watch it on TV. We can maybe go to a race. One thing that's great about the IndyCar paddock, um, I'm sure that most of your listeners have been to an IndyCar race, but for anyone who hasn't, the fact that usually on the Friday of the race weekend uh, and sometimes some of the tracks with a general admission ticket, you can actually get into the paddock and see the cars up close. That's always a magical moment for a kid because things become tangible and things become real. And then they start rooting for a driver and they start you know, having the hero card or the poster on their wall. And all of those things that connect what you're watching on TV or what you're watching in the, in, in the stands to something that you're doing at home, I think is the magic of how you sustain that passion and that fandom and that turns into lifelong opportunity and learning. Um, reality is I probably should have been, not I probably, I should have been an engineer. I have that brain, but I didn't have that, um, I didn't have somebody that was coaching me to, to realize that, that that's how you connect those dots because obviously a 10-year-old's not necessarily gonna connect those dots on their own. So things like those interactive toys are super helpful. The other thing I absolutely from, you know, as a kid all the way through, I had Barbies and I had um, Hot Wheels. And, you know, buy your kids cars and dolls. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to choose one or the other, but whatever they gravitate towards, buy them both, you know. And I think as soon as a kid... And it's funny, you talk to any racing driver, you see baby pictures of racing drivers, they are using um, like a lid from a pot as a steering wheel, Mm. Um, you know, as as a one-year-old, as a two-year-old. So it's not necessarily by accident. So if you're seeing a toddler showing any bit of interest, it's probably real, you know? And so the idea of just supporting it, support whatever your kid is interested in. That's the bottom line, right? But I think any way that you can connect what they see on TV to something in their hands, that's how you kind of keep that magic going. Keeping the magic going. Mm-hmm. The Beth Peretta mm-hmm. story. I the like Beth that. The Beth Peretta story. And I'd say buy our diecast, but we don't have one. Do you want to know why we don't have a diecast? Because you have to order them so far in advance. And so the livery is never going to be correct. I mean, I might make one that's the regular team livery because it's still pretty cool, but it's just a tough business model because they're, they're obviously made overseas. And so the timelines are just not conducive to when you, you know, close a deal in March to be on the 8,500 and, you know, you, you close that big Starbucks deal and then Starbucks is like, where's our die cast? It's like, well, we would have had it ordered it 18 months ago. Can Starbucks. we do a, uh, Pareto auto sport, buy a bunch of blanks and include the correct Sharpie colors so you could kind of make your own livery. That seems like a a child-based project. That'd be cool. That would be very cool. Um, I just made you a million dollars with that idea. That's a million dollar idea. Or like shrinky dinks. Do they still make those? Um, By the way, with that said, talking about having a blank car and putting logos on it. So a couple months, like a month and a half ago, Simona's cruising around Instagram and she sees this this gentleman who's a fan who had posted on Instagram that he just finished making a replica of our car from last year. And again, some of your fans may know this, but people will buy the autograph car, which is just a plain white car. And you buy it from the, you know, IndyCar like gift shop. The point is it's plain white. You get yourself a Sharpie, 
you go up to drivers, you get them to sign your car, and it's a nice conversation piece, you know, on your desk. But other folks buy the blank car, and then they either hand paint or figure out the decals, and they make their own cars because not all of us have cars. So this gentleman did that, puts it on Instagram. Simona reaches out to him, and she's like, that's awesome. Can I buy it? And he said, what? (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) And uh, so she met him at, he was coming to Indy to uh, to the 500. And so it was Saturday of 500 weekend. She and I were actually there to get our, she was getting her new photos taken for the season, right? Because you have to have um, all your photos before you start racing for like the big driver flag and the pre-race little headshot that NBC rolls out. So we had to do all that, right? So um, we were there getting full makeup and putting on our costumes before we're going to do a nice photo session with Mike Levitt. And uh, someone was like, hey, do I have five minutes? And I was like, yeah, I'm still getting my fake eyelashes put on. Of course you have five minutes. And true story. Uh, and she disappeared and then she comes back with this model that she had purchased from this fan who did this beautiful job and, um, she gave it to me as a gift. Oh, look at that. Right. Oh, I was like teary eyed. And then because it, it also, because that was the first time she'd seen it in person was literally when she bought it from him and then, you know, came upstairs and handed it to me. But because she saw that it was so beautifully done, she asked him to make another one. And he said he would. Oh, that's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. He's going to make a second one because obviously it's so time consuming. So it's not like he's turning them out in his garage because it's just, um, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a skill. It's an, and it's certainly, it's like its own art form. It's like people used to build models, right? And that same thing, like there's, there's people that are really good at it. And this, this came out beautifully. So I have a model of our car. I have okay. a feeling there's a little cottage industry that's about to start uh, with. Yes. Drivers uh, will buy them. <laughs> yes. Well, just your fans, like the, the fans of the team. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I can see this becoming this, uh, this person might be uh, having to use a lot of their uh, uh, sick days and otherwise, because uh, exactly. the order right. book might be filling yeah. up. Well, let's get to uh last couple of quick questions here, Beth. One from our pal sure. Vincent 1701. He says, we've heard the hardships of getting this team off the ground, Beth, but are there any unexpected joys you can speak to uh, in this process of getting Pareto Autosport up and running? Oh, there's way more joys than hardships. I think if you see the hardships, because that's kind of what people, uh, that becomes like the fodder for the, for a news article or something like, oh, hitting a bump or whatever. Um, there's been so much joy, uh, in meeting fans and having, um, you know, even in some of the questions you've asked, What's been amazing, like you said, the gentleman who's talking about he's happy that his girlfriend is watching the race or his wife is watching the race and I, and somebody whose daughter is being interested. I think that was the surprising bit of joy that I wasn't expecting. Again, we did this to be visible. And so we knew that we were going to get a lot of attention. Um, the women on our team are not used to having attention. Like I said, you know, and you know this because I've known you a long time, Marshall. Like I absolutely had a behind the scenes role in, in racing and automotive and you know, small circle people would definitely know who you are, but like a fan isn't going to know your name. Um, Not anymore. Not not anymore. anymore, Right. (laughs) And so the way that that, um, the way and the way that we had to go forward was kind of uh, accepting that and, and, and 
kind of stepping into that. And so even when I was hiring all of the people on our team, we had those, I had those specific discussions in an interview with them to say, Hey, I get that you're a mechanic, but you're going to have to maybe do a, an interview. And it's a little bit, you know, it's out of the realm of what, what is, has been any of our norm, right? Or again, it's always the driver that's out front, but like, you know, now you want to talk to the tire specialist. So anyway, with that said, all of that exposure, the, the really cool thing that has happened is all of the emails and letters and things that I've gotten from dads and grandfathers that say, thank you so much for what you're doing because for the first time ever, my daughter watched the race with me. For the first time, my granddaughter sat and watched the race with me. And the joy that they have, because these are just racing fans wow. who I guarantee you, all they wanted to do was share their hobby with their daughter yeah. or their wife or their girlfriend. And so if it is that excuse, they're the ones kind of saying, thank you, because like, this is something that like is so much, listen, race. The, yes, there are casual race fans, but there's a lot of diehard race fans. And I think at our core, we love it, but all we really want is for everyone else to love it the way we do. So if that has helped grow some fans that has made their lives easier, like that, those are, that, that's a super bright spot for me and it keeps happening. And I, I hope we just keep doing more and more of that. So yeah, that's a bright spot. The other thing that's a bright spot, of course, is um, this momentum has allowed us to, to do other things like Lynn St. James and I have launched women in motorsport North America. And that's meant to be just a resource for all women across all disciplines of racing, all different roles, literally just a way to connect women who are looking for jobs, looking for mentorships, looking for information, looking for schools. Um, and these are all little bits of, of progress. And so it's nice to be able to have a little bit of momentum to then use that momentum for other good things too. So there's a lot of bright spots and hopefully we'll just keep doing it. I mean, now, listen, I also do, um, we're acutely aware that we, we only raced in one race last year. So the fact that people know our name after one race is crazy. <laughs> um, none of that's lost on me. I was at F1 in Miami walking around. Granted, I was wearing my team polo shirt, but literally people like, oh, we love your team. And I was like, oh, you know, and then you have that moment like, we've only had one race. Granted, we had a lot of media, you know, we were in People Magazine, like, so I get it, but we're still kind of at the end of that bubble of all, you know, kumbaya. Now we've got to do stuff on the track and we're acutely aware of that. And we, this is not an ideal situation in that uh, of any of, of a team that's starting up. It's, a lot of teams go through this though. So it's not particularly unique. It's kind of what you do as a startup. Like you're, the reason you have a technical partnership. I mean, if you want to go out, people, I know some people kind of criticize like, well, it's not really a real team. It's like, okay, buddy, tell me about your team. But with that said, I could, we could go out and buy all the stuff and just start cold. It would take a long time to really get up to speed. And that's why if you look over the past, you know, 10 years, the teams that have really come in successfully are those that really had a tie up with somebody else. You look at Herda, you look at Shank and the way they've gone about it. Um, it's, it's because it's cost effective and it's performance effective. So we're trying to do something akin to that in, you know, as, as much as we can. Um, but I also have a driver who's dropping in coals, right? And, there's not, there's going to be a short runway 
to then when people are starting, you're going to start to look like, you know, when are you going to have some results on the board? So that's the part that's now the pressure that we feel and we know it's there. I mean, and it's that tough thing that you have to balance where, you know, the pressure is there, but you also don't want the pressure to then make, you can get yourself into a bit of a spiral, right? So it's trying to keep your head in the game and just do your best and get good results because if you overthink it, you can, you know, if you know that everybody's watching and there's a lot riding on it, you can, you're going to stumble. And so we're now in that mode, you know, last year was just this big debut and here we are and look at us. Um, but we did, we hit our marks there too. I mean, you look at the way that we took people who were green and taught them how to pit a car. I mean, we hired people February 1st and by May 30th, they're pitting a car at the Indy 500. Um, so we're going to kind of keep going forward, but I know that, you know, the honeymoon phase is going to be over here soon and people are going to be like, yeah, but you finished, you know, you can't keep finishing 27. So true. There's also a little cool thing to mention here. And that is Ed Carpenter has been approached by many, many, many people in the last couple of years, two, three, four years wanting to partner with them whether it's just for indie or more uh and i mean mclaren for example was wanting to send a, a nice wedge of money their way to have ecr mm -hmm. help with their 2019 indy 500 program no interest mm -hmm. ed has ed has turned down everybody uh, mm -hmm. And I'm sure some of those offered or, or had more sponsorship or more money to offer. Mm -hmm. Maybe um, there's something to be said that he said yes to you and mm -hmm. saw something that was going to add value to the team and be positive for the team overall in ways that numerous other inquiries were turned down, maybe with drivers who are world champions and all kinds of things. Like, I do think that's pretty cool that here you are about to embark on your first of at least a minimum three car, uh, three race program this year. Um, but this is something where Ed said, yeah, this is, this is the right fit where others didn't. So just a little way to say that's pretty awesome. It is really awesome. And thank you for saying that because there's two things too. I mean, there's a lot of people that approach team, uh, Roger Penske over the years too. And, being able to work with Team Penske last year, um, you know, none of that was lost on us that, you know, he doesn't really partner with people. Um, so I think that was also a nice endorsement. Um, and, and the fact that we, we, got, we got through it and, uh, you know, did everything that was expected of us um, says a lot about the people on our program. Obviously, it says a lot about the, the men on the Penske side who were supporting us, who were happily supporting us and were still smiling by the end of uh, race day, even though our race ended with 30 laps to go. Um, yeah, I think to Ed Carpenter's credit, he has such a lovely group of people. He runs a great business, but he genuinely does understand, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, with having... Um, his wife Heather is so involved in the IndyCar community as well. She's awesome. She's, she's really, awesome. I know. She's a big Absolutely. mover, like truly behind the scenes. Oh um, yeah. She is. She is a a real blessing to the paddock with what she does with the Indy Family Foundation. I know she's Correct. had to um, step back from that a little bit more, raising a family and being a realtor mm -hmm. and you know businesswoman mm -hmm. on top of all that. But yeah, it's a uh, it's Ed's name. 
uh, on top of the door, but nobody should be mistaken that uh, Heather Carpenter is a huge, right. huge part. And like any good, um, you know, like any good uh, partnership, like, you know, he's, he's, you know, there's, there's just such a respectful relationship that, you know, is, this is something that matters, you know, Ed obviously has a daughter. So there's, you know, the, the perspective that that always gives you and he just gets it. I mean, he gets it in the, in the, why commercially having the, us in the paddock is good for the series. And I remember talking to Ed years ago, like in 2015, it's when we first met and, you know, you could, and again, this is like when it's a germ of an idea. So when you're just explaining it to somebody, there's, you can just kind of see the twinkle in the eye or, or not the twinkle in the eye. And, uh, he absolutely was in the, the, uh, that, that camp of, of just kind of getting it and understanding kind of what, you know, what I was describing of what I saw of where I wanted to go. And, um, yeah, so thank you for saying that because I think the reason why it's helpful is, um, there, when I called him, so it's funny because when I called him, it was actually uh, the first. So I, I I probably hadn't talked to him in a couple months. So he answers the phone like immediately. And he's like, hey, are you close to making an announcement? Thinking that I'm going to be making an announcement about the 500. And I said, no, no. I said, I've actually decided not to do the 500. He's like, oh, he's like, well, he's like, that actually that makes sense. And I said, well, I want to ask you a question. I said, what do you think about us working together and maybe doing a few races after Indy, but like road and street, like, you know, you've got the 33 on the ovals, but what if we share the car and we do a few road and street? And he literally was like, that's great. Like it it was like, not even a, (laughs) well, and in fairness, he did say, I mean, it was, that's great. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. We talked through it a little bit. And then he said, okay, I need to talk to my business partners as you would. Right. I mean, he's, he's not going to go rogue, but it wasn't like, well, I got to see, we got to, and then like, he's just like begrudgingly, you know, getting to that point. It was, um, and in fairness, he might've even been expecting that a call like that might come. Um, but then meaning just being logical, not for any other reason. It, it, he had no tip off that I was calling. Um, but, or that somebody would call him to your point to ask about that because it's, it's another way to get, you know, a team on the grid. Um, but there was zero hesitation. I mean, it does help that um, I was already, I already had um, an agreement with Chevrolet because we ran with them last year and my agreement continued into this year. Um, so I already had the engine allocation in theory for the 500. And I actually, it was, I had an, my agreement was written in such a way that it was actually for the 500 plus a handful of races. And which is not, that's not typical because meaning that's not what people are typically seeking. They're usually it's full season or 500 only. Um, so Chevy was already kind of, I had that agreement in my back pocket. So that's helpful. As you know, when you're trying to put agreements together for the 500 coming into the room with an engine in your pocket, uh, a, a figurative engine in your pocket, um, is helpful. So it was, it made this conversation even quicker because we're already in the same, you know, I know that I can then call Chevy and say, Hey, what if I do this? And Chevy was completely on board because fair, fair play to them. I, of course, I kept them in the loop about where I was with my 500 decision. They were supportive. Of course, they wanted to see us in the 500, but they fully got um, my logic of why um, and why I was being a bit protective. Um, in fact, that was from a conversation I had with Mark Royce from General Motors. Uh, we were at an event in March at Amelia Island. Um, in March and I literally bumped into him and he said, Hey, you know, what's going on? I want to, you know, what, get any updates on your program. And I, I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I, this is what I'm thinking. I don't want to do the 500, but I'm thinking do some more later in the year. 
he's like, yeah, t- what, you know, let us know how we can support and, you know, we'll, we'll we, we have you. And I think he didn't say at that point, cause I'm sure he didn't know off the top of his head, but I got a call a couple of days later saying, yeah, yeah, we've got you in our, in our head count for allocation. So that's that nice reassurance. And then that made the call with Ed that much easier. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. why don't we pick one final question and I've saved this for the end it's probably a really dumb decision on my part, and I probably should have asked this first, but I just thought this would be a good close. A couple folks have asked this in a few different ways. Uh, at IndyCarFan95 is one of them. Um, Ryan Terpstra, uh, right, right Turn Lover. Um, they all want to know how can they show their support how can they and others help to get yeah. Red Autosport uh, to that fourth IndyCar race this year, to half a Aww. season next year, or a full season? Truly, uh, there are a number of folks. Uh, what is the best way to show continued support for you and your team? Uh, I decided not to go to Mid-Ohio this year, but after your announcement, <laughs> I will be celebrating our country's independence watching Yay. IndyCars because of you. So. For those oh, wow. who truly are wondering, how do we help Beth, Simona, your team? How do we make more? How do we get right. folks to give you more so you can more do more? Things. How can folks help? Um, I, that's such a sweet question. And I, I'm so grateful that people would, would, would be thinking that way. So it's funny because people say to me over, like, why don't you put together a GoFundMe? The reason <laughs> we don't do Go, GoFundMe, bless, is um, we need a lot of money right? But you need a lot of money every year. So it's a bit defeating to, to say like, hey, you know, it's great. I want to raise $8 million, but I also need $8 million next year. So if you want to give me $1,000, I'm going to need $1,000, you know, every month for the night. So it's like, it's just a non-starter. I would say the best thing that you could do is we do have our website. We have merchandise. We're going to be adding more probably in the next month or two. We're literally just still designing some new pieces for this season, things that will be evergreen. Um, but you know, if you buy, if you go to our website and buy that kind of stuff, support KiwiCo, we're going to be, um, announcing some more sponsors. That's always the typical thing, of course. But if you just keep, uh, talking about it, I I would say also the push on social media, make sure all your friends are following us on all our channels. Crazy thing. How companies now are like, well, how many, how many Instagram followers do you have? But it's a real thing. So by following us on all our channels, either at Pareto Autosport or at Pareto Sport, um, and have your friends follow us, that helps because that shows the commercial viability of what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, retweet and like it. It, it seems like a very benign action, but believe it or not, it, it does really help. So, like and subscribe, y'all. Like, like and, and subscribe. subscribe. Right below. Um, but yeah, so it's literally just merchandise, you know, wear, wear that Pareto t-shirt at your family's cocktail party and tell them about it. And it, I do believe that all that really helps, you know, not to be like, you know, folksy about it, but I really do. So, and I thank you all for even asking the question because that is just, it's very humbling because I just saw pictures today. uh, The transporter, you know, was roll is rolling up to Wisconsin and um, it's the first time because, you know, we didn't have a transporter last year for the 500 because you're, you're basically uh, parked at the garages at IMS. And so, all of our equipment rolled up in a Penske truck because as soon as it's unloaded, it's then kind of in the garage, right? So you don't have a, a branded team transporter, but this year 
we needed it. So, you know, all of those little elements of design, you know, we do it and it's just like a schematic and it's kind of cool even when you see that image, but to actually see it on an actual truck with your, with your name on the side of a truck, kind of neat, you know, and, and those are those, you know, we're talking about like the bright spots, like those are little funny, humbling, bright spots where, you know, our name is on a truck and it's rolling across the country. And hopefully the more that people see that, that kind of grows our awareness and more people tune into the race subscribe to Peacock, all those things. Amen, Sister Beth. All right. Thank you, Marshall. For well, always, You've always been uh, supportive of, of what we're doing, uh, even when it was a, a germ of an idea. And, and I know, kind of like how Robin Miller, right? I mean, you inherently know what's good for the sport because if it's good for the sport, it's good for us and it allows us to see another day and do this for a living. And, you know, we, we have to be a, a healthy ecosystem. So I appreciate everything that, that you have done over the years. And, and honestly, Robin Miller was always so, so supportive and gave great advice. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that you kind of have that same uh, perspective and we're all grateful for it. Oh, that's sweet of you. I just like good people trying to do good things. And right. when uh, we have something cool like you, trying to help uh bring a little more balance to my favorite sport um Mm -hmm. that's just super extra awesome so and by the way can i just give a shout out i know angela ashmore who was a dad on marcus erickson's car so we work together at srt and um i'm it's just so i meant we obviously we're like friends on facebook and all that i just i'm so over the moon for her she left SRT uh, to go to Roush Fenway and, you know, eventually found her way to IndyCar. Um, and so it's so great to see that, you know, she's been on the eight car for a couple of seasons now. And I remember like last year at Detroit was when they got their first win. She got to jump into the fountain mm. and, um, you know, just being so over the moon happy for her then. And here we are, it, you know, it wasn't even a year after Detroit and she's now got herself a 500 ring. And I'm just so happy to see um you know there these there's a lot of people that and again as a reminder my team is pointing out that these a lot of these women were here all along and like you had the power all along dorothy but by talking about it it's helpful for kids and it's helpful for boys to see girls doing things like that too like you know it's just it's it's good all around it's good stuff and then you see somebody like that who's a data acquisition engineer and she just won the indy 500 First woman, crew woman to win mm-hmm. the Indy 500 that we know of. And, that we know of, yeah. Um, was not, Anita Milliken not on um, a winning car? So she wasn't. Uh, there was a thought, my friend Leanne Patterson, who I worked for, she was mm-hmm. the co-owner of two IndyCar teams I worked for back in the day. And mm-hmm. she is really one of the great historians of women at the Indy 500 and women in IndyCar. And mm-hmm. when I rang her, because we spoke with Donald Davidson, IMS, mm-hmm. you know, legendary IMS historian, he couldn't think of any women to proceed. Uh, Angela in that, you know, team crew-based role winning the 500. Yep. Paul Kelly, who's another great resource at IMS, nor could he. Kevin Blanche was someone else that we spoke mm-hmm. with. Rocket, who's been around forever, mm-hmm. couldn't think of anybody. So no. uh, our, our pal, uh, Kara Adams, now Kara Christolik, she... Uh, she as well could not think uh, of anyone and pulled her uh, her group of, of all the women racers yeah. in IndyCar today, and they couldn't. And so my nope. really my last stop was yep. my friend Leanne Patterson, who 
is connected and, and speaks regularly with Anita Milliken, mm-hmm. uh, Eloisa Garza, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Yes. And she said, oh, I don't think, I don't think Angela's the first. I believe Eloisa was because Eloisa was uh, not just a composite specialist, but truly a savior for Jim Hall's Chaparral team, mm-hmm. uh, helped build uh, what we thought was the 1980 Indy 500 winning Chaparral 2K. Mm-hmm. She decided to <clears throat> double check with Eloisa, and mm-hmm. we're thankful she did because uh, Eloisa came right back and said, I wish I was, but I joined the team just after the Indy 500. Oh, yes. And there you go. so, yeah. And so, my tip to Angela. Yeah. yeah. So, but here's the thing whether it's Angela or the increasing number of women on pit lane and IndyCar, she she might be the first. She is She's not, not going to be the last. Be the last. Yeah, nope, not nope, by nope, any nope. means. So, and who yeah. knows? Uh, as is the normal tradition, this is same for me and so many others. Work your way up. You spend time in that assistant engineer, data engineer role. Eventually, be you'll if you're good enough, you'll become a race engineer. Mm-hmm. Just saying, uh, this might absolutely not, you you and, and Angela. Those SRT days might not be the last uh, where your absolutely. colleagues are working so. together. No, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because we know in sports car, you know, significant races have been won. You you know, you look to somebody like Lena Gade. Um, Danielle you know, Shepard now with the yes, Ganassi team. With yes, exactly. And um, Catherine you know, Crawford and, comes to mind, right? And she and she definitely was on winning programs. Yep, 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 yep. So it's nice to see because I like I say, and and again, hopefully soon, we don't even have to say the qualifier anymore. Yep. <laughs> about who's you know a woman team member or this or that and and you know and angela even when we were at fiat chrysler together i mean it's the typical thing like we just all get on with it in fact in in you know not to speak for her but i know that there were many times that she was you know the only woman in a meeting and and just just as you would right it's just a numbers game but it's getting a lot better but in fairness like you know it's um it's getting better, and I know that she's one of those people. I know she does a lot with her university, her alma mater, and so she's always been um, very um, open and helpful to helping other other women coming up, and you know, m- mentoring you know recent college grads. So I think that's the nice thing too is there was probably a, a period of time for you know where you we had to be almost not protective, but like there weren't that many people coming up. So whether you were even looking to pull people up behind you or not, now it just feels like. There's a lot of people asking the question, hey, this is interesting. How do I do this? And so we're all happy to offer advice and, uh, and, and, and support. And I know Angela is one of the people that does that. One thing you know about me as well, Beth, I'm not very good at telling time. So this lovely half Let's hour go. podcast, right? Yep. Uh, it might say one hour, dear listener, but nope, it was only a half an hour. Um, thanks as always, cool. my friend. I mean, truly, you're like doing accounting work right now and trying to get ready for a race, but uh, mm-hmm. you're taking Packing time my for bag. us. Yep. So absolutely, I'll look forward to seeing you here on Friday. You and Simona. Hopefully, we'll do a little video walk around to the car and, right. and meet some more of the uh, the amazing women uh, and men on uh, the number sixteen Chevy, uh, sponsored by KiwiCo and some other great partners. And one we're going to learn about tomorrow. So yes. Um, thanks as always, my friend, and I'll see you here soon. Thanks so much, Safe Travels. I will see you there.